0: Eagles Entertainment.
1: Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles.
2: Anything that moves, I don't care how it is. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time.
3: let we go. Touchdown!
0: You're listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Bran
4: Duffy.
1: That's right of the week. And we're continuing to get you ready for Eagles Cowboys as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade continues. I'm Fran Duffy. And as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 384. At the top of today's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with my buddy Ben Fennel. where we catch up and share our thoughts on this Eagles upcoming matchup against the Dallas Cowboys and really the status of of this Eagles team moving into the postseason. After Chalk Talk, we will then transition to scouting report where we focus in on one of the impact players for this Dallas Cowboys defense, and that's cornerback Trayvon Diggs. He's been a little bit of a polarizing figure in the NFL bubble that we live in in recent weeks. We'll get into why in that segment then to close out the show and focus I chat with one of my favorite voices covering this Dallas Cowboys team that's Bob Stern with the Athletic Bob and I talk about this Cowboys team and not only preparing for this week but as they head into the playoffs as well we'll get into that towards the back end of the show before we get there a couple things I want to make sure we hit on number one as always make sure you head on over to our Apple podcast page leave us a rating leave us a review leave us a comment if you've got a question about this Eagles team we will answer it we're going to do that a little bit later in the show and while you're over there make sure you ch- check out the journey to the draft podcast myself ben fennell dane brugler ross tucker eric galco a number of voices that we rotate on a weekly basis covering the top prospects you need to know in the upcoming nfl draft look it's almost draft season it is 2022 which means we're now saying this year's nfl draft so you want to make sure you head on subscribe to the journey to the draft podcast and you will get that show sent to your podcast device twice weekly from now through april so make sure you go subscribe wherever podcast can be found now before we get into the rest of the show Last week, I caught up with the Eagles defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon. I didn't do an episode late in the week last week. I actually lost my voice a little bit, uh, so didn't want to put out a second podcast last week. But I caught up with Jonathan Gannon a week ago. A lot of that analysis, I think, still carries over talking about this football team. So here's that clip now with my conversation with Coach Jonathan Gannon. Coach, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Let's get to it. Coach, you talked about that late rotation from Rodney and it times up so well with Alex and with uh, Marcus on the back side. You don't need to get into the whys and the mechanics behind that, but how long does it take guys to feel comfortable, get that timing down with everything that they're doing pre and post snap?
4: Yeah, you know, it's a good job by the coaches, Fran, honestly, because we show different things and, you know, sometimes we show certain things and play them. Sometimes we show, you know, different things and we move to different things. So um, it takes a little bit of time to understand the process of doing that and those those guys really working together. It's not independent movement on that particular one. It's, you know, all seven guys, Avante even on that last one, he started inside, went outside, but that's the back end being
1: coordinated together. Yeah, all these defenders all on a string, and I want to also ask you about Rodney McLeod just individually. We had Jordan Milata on the show last week, and he talked about Jason Kelsey, how he makes everybody right, and we've had defenders over the years that have said that about Rodney, that he's been that guy on the back end of the defense. So what has been your experience with Rodney? Uh, obviously, coming Into onto the field late, uh, coming back from injury.
4: Yeah, I mean, you know, he's everything that I look for in a safety. The first thing is reliability. He's in the right spots. He plays the coverages the right way. He knows how to insert in the run game. He never busts a gap. He brings a physical presence, a physical element to the defense because he's a true hitter. Some people tackle. Some people hit. He hits. And, you know, he's got good ball skills he can cover, and he's so emotionally stable back there. You know, I talk about all the time when things aren't going right in a game because they never go right all the time in a game. He's that calm, contagious presence of the defense where, you know, hey, guys, settle down. Let's just play our game and we'll be fine. So I appreciate that about him.
1: Yeah, And that play, a, a draw play, like you said, I thought the Giants tried several screens, several draws, different plays that uh, try and negate a strong defensive line. But all game long, that defense was able to really hold strong against those concepts. Yeah, they, they play from, from every guy that, that put on a jersey and
4: played in that game. They all played. They really made a contribution to help us win that game. So it was good to see. And that's what we expect from them because that's a really good room in there. Tracy and Wash do an excellent job with those guys. They take the coaching. You know, I always talk to them about Motor and Mean, which all of those guys that would not want to fight in a bar. And um, it, it's good because they're doing a really good job helping us win games.
1: Coach, last question for you, just about the late in the game, being able to get some of those deep reserves uh, into the football game. You talk about Cameron Malveaux and Andre Chachere, and you just go right down the line at all three levels. How invaluable is that understanding that you may need these guys over the next couple of weeks with everything going on?
4: Yeah, huge, Fran. Reps are gold, especially game reps. So it was good to see everyone get in the game and play well and some guys made some mistakes but we'll learn from those mistakes get them cleaned up some guys played extremely well they helped us win that football game but we always say if you're up on game day you gotta be able to go in there and function and play winning football for us and the way you get that done is getting reps so you gotta learn on the job and they all did a really good job it was good to see some of those guys flying around out there.
1: Now for that entire segment, which is a big film breakdown segment, that's last week's tape study, which you can go find right now over on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, the Eagles mobile app, the Eagles YouTube page, wherever you get your Eagles video content. That said, let's uh, get the rest of the show rolling. Excited to catch up with Ben Fennel. It's time for Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, I'm excited to get into this here with Ben as we uh, start chalk talk. And Ben, um, an interesting game uh, to preview this week on Eagles game plan because uh, this is a matchup where the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, it sounds like they're going to be playing a lot of their starters. With so much up in the air right now with the Eagles roster, tw- you know, a dozen guys on the COVID-19 list as we record this, uh, we'll see exactly who's going to play, who's going to not. And with all that up in the air, uh, you and I were trying to decide how are we going to produce Eagles game plan this week a few days ahead of the game. Uh, made it kind of difficult. But that said, plenty to talk about with this team as they clinched the playoffs for, uh, you know, in week 17. Look, this is a team that started two and five. We did not really anticipate that this was going to be the way that this season was going to go, right? So I'm interested just to kind of get your thoughts, looking back uh, on these last couple of months, um, just where the, how far this team has come.
5: Yeah, it's great to see them rebound after the frustrating start and kind of find their way with their offensive identity. And it's been great to watch this team kind of, come out the other side of it you know they're on a four game winning streak right now of one was it six of seven a couple heartbreaking losses in there too i thought you know that charger game was winnable and a couple other theirs obviously that giant six point loss is a tough one to swallow too but four straight wins since then we got the cowboys this week not a whole lot to play for as far as playoff seating and alignment so creates a little bit of kind of gamesmanship with who's going to play who's not going to play remember there is an outside chance we do see the cowboys in the first week of the playoffs right. it's, a, nope. it's a small window but there that just creates a little bit more gamesmanship and you obviously want to make sure all your guys are healthy and if you could give them a couple extra days at this point in the season where the rookies are feeling that wall of the long season for the first time in their lives the veterans creaks and cracks and aches are starting to come up a little bit here if you can just give them an extra week extra couple days it goes a long
1: long way not only physically but mentally too and then the, the other big thing, and we talked about this earlier in the week with Craig, and I'm interested to kind of get your thoughts on it, too. But, look, this game against Washington, uh, it was not always pretty. Uh, it wasn't pretty for a good chunk of this game. And uh, it had the Eagles had to kind of get out of that formula a little bit. They weren't rushing for, you know, 195 in this game and three touchdowns, right? So they, they had to find another way to be able to run the ball to be able to get this win because they weren't running the ball as effectively. Uh, what did you see from this performance, from this Eagles? We'll stay on the Eagles' offense. What did you see from this performance, whether run game focused and also from Jalen Hurts? Yeah, you know, it was actually a performance where the run
5: game was defended really well, as expected from this really tough Washington defensive line in front seven. They give you very little in the run game, which has been our bread and butter. So it's kind of interesting to see a team, essentially, Fran, tie one of our hands behind its back. You know, we only had one run over 10 yards that was outside of some scrambles by Jalen Hurd. So not clicking on first downs. Suddenly the emphasis on third downs becomes that much greater. And to turn the page over to the quarterback, Jalen Hurts, I thought he was outstanding managing the game on early downs. And then when he had to make a play on third down, he showed up, whether in structure, extended play, making plays with his legs. And those three kind of hits right there for Hurts, the arm, the added structure, and then creativity as an athlete, just different ways in the tool bag to beat you on third down, which you're going to need in this league things break down. The picture is not always pretty from pre to post snap, you know, an offensive lineman falls down. Suddenly the play's dead. You can't just say, Oh, there we're going to get off the field and punt. Jalen hurts gives you a fighting chance. Every third down, maybe unconventional as far as we know, of, you know, quarterback play in this league, but he has multiple ways to beat you and get the job done and move the sticks. And it was interesting to see the early down adversity and a little bit more emphasis on hurts on third down. And I was really impressed.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the big thing to talk about when we you talk about the, the change in the offensive identity midseason and uh, what that's done for Jalen is that it's really kind of allowed uh, you to be able to get a, a deeper look into his evaluation and his development because the game's not on his right shoulder every single week. He's he's not dropping back to throw 40, 45 times every single week. And so uh, some of those mistakes that a young, inexperienced quarterback w- is going to make in this league – they get kind of hidden a little bit. And what that does, and you and I talk about this all the time confidence really kind of breeds development. As those guys start to get uh, a little bit, you know, they start to feel themselves a little bit more, they're starting to have more success, uh, the offense is moving the ball. Well, all of a sudden, you know, maybe that accuracy gets a little bit better. You feel a little bit more confident in everything that you're doing, whether it's going through your progressions, making a throw with a defender draped all over you. That's the human element part of the player uh, development that I think is really important. I think we are seeing that with Jalen Hurts where, hey, I'm, drop- I'm going to drop back to throw uh, 22, 25 times a game tops. All right, well, now, you know, if I if I make a mistake here on this drive, all right, well, I can come back and bounce back from this and and have that ability. Uh, We've seen that poise both on and off the field from Jalen over these last couple of months. You know, and it's a learning
5: process, not only for Jalen becoming a quarterback in this league, but for the coaching staff to learn about Jalen as well. Remember how much new is around Jalen, and things on the practice field are different when the bullets are flying on Sunday. So for the coaching staff to figure out what Jalen feels most comfortable with when the bullets are flying or in the second half or on a third and long key situation, they now know a little bit more of the yays and nays, what works, what doesn't work, what makes them comfortable, what doesn't make them comfortable. Um, And to build off that is really important. It's all part of the development and maturation during the season internally. I know we're so focused on our opponents each week, but studying ourselves and coming to grips with who we are as a team and our personnel and our play calling and what the strengths and weaknesses are That's all part of the learning curve of an NFL season. Uh, And it's been really impressive to see from the coaching staff to the players to
1: the field. One player uh, for this Dallas defense I want to hit on here with you in this segment is just, is Micah Parsons and um, you know, a player that you and I both studied extensively when he was coming out of Penn state uh, just one of the more impressive physical specimens that we've seen at that position uh, coming out of the college level. And now just what he's doing on the field, just so, so impressive. And it's I'm just to kind of get your thoughts. Cause I know you watch this Dallas defense on a weekly basis.
5: Yeah. This defense looks completely different in 2021 after their almost historically bad year last year. They have a lot of new parts and it starts with our first round pick, Michael Parsons, who they've gotten a lot of production out of in a variety of ways. So credit to Dan Quinn, the defensive coordinator for finding different uses for this really unique player. And he's not just an off ball backer. He's not just an outside backer. He's not just a pass rusher, defensive end. He's doing everything and they're finding ways for him to contribute in a variety of ways. He is tough. He is explosive and he is relentless. And those are three chips that he shows up every play uh, able to lean back on. And it's been really impressive to see. I think he's got the defensive rookie of the player of the year locked up. And he is fully in contention for the actual defensive player of the year, which is a scary, scary thought uh, for a young player who I think is barely 21 years old.
1: And I think the big thing, look, Dallas leads the NFL uh, in stunts uh, by end by, of like by a pretty wide margin there, in terms of stunt percentage. Uh, and a big part of that is Parsons. And that's kind of leaning into his strengths, right? His, his movement skills. He's not a, a pure technician at the top of the rush, right? I mean, he, he hasn't been a full-time pass rusher uh, since he was in high school. So, hey, how is he going to win? Let's just get this guy on the move and just find ways for him to get those one-on-ones.
5: In combination, what's the number one trait of Neville Gallimore? What's the number one trait of Oso Digizua flying off the ball? Which if you have defensive tackles in TE games where that tackle is going first, getting vertical, initiating the threat up the field, and then looping an end around, what a beautiful combo to have a first-step defensive tackle initiate and then a big Micah Parsons loop around with his explosive change of direction and explosive pursuit speed, explosive closing speed. What a beautiful combination there. So they're finding a lot of fun ways schematically to get the most out of uh, number 11 there for Dallas.
1: And It's an easy way to transition into one of my big takeaways from the the other side of the football, from the Eagles defense going up against Washington. It's something I actually highlight this week on Eagles game plan is some of the new things we saw from the third down pressure package from the Eagles. And look, in this game, it was Gennard Avery and Patrick Johnson a couple times. Uh, Patrick Johnson's out in the field and resulted in a couple sacks. And I broke down those two sacks uh, for uh, for Eagles game plan this week. And uh, one of them came on, on one of those stunts inside with Janard Avery. Uh, he comes in as the pinner. You get Hargrave looping around, but uh, just continuing to see different layers, different schemes to the pressure uh, package that we've seen here from the Seagulls defense.
5: Yeah, from a variety of fronts, whether it's they're down four that can win. They're going with a lot of odd fronts lately with some sim pressure. Guys mugged up in the B gap. Could be linebackers. Could be the defensive ends. Seeing a lot more Fletcher Cox lined up outside. And Jannard Avery is all over the place. 58, maybe lined up over the slot. He may be blitzing from depth. He may be mugging the A gap. He may be in the B gap. He may just be a defensive end. He is a fun, fun player to watch. He's a very unique body type. But when he's playing fast, confident, and let loose, man, he flies around the field and he packs a punch when he gets there. He's kind of been that chess piece to make this all tick as far as the exotic pressure schemes. But Josh Sweat, so impressed with him, especially on Sunday and his technical ability to rush the passer. Literally, you have to slow down every step of him because it's very technical. It's very deliberate. He's long, he's loose, and it's fun, fun to watch, especially in the second half of games or teams are behind. They can just pin their ears back and have a lot of fun, whether it's the pressure schemes, the one-on-ones, moving guys around, getting the young guys off the bench, the second half of games this year, offense, defense. Been a lot of fun to watch.
1: And it's funny you say that when it comes down. You want you really want to slow down every step and see, like, everything is done with a purpose. But then you and I go back and forth on this stuff where it's like, yeah, but you want to, like, show it full speed. So you get a sense of 6'5", mm-hmm. uh, 265, 270-pound defensive end. And the way that he, A, gets off the ball, the get off is really impressive. But then, B, I mean, the way that he's able to corner and, and get the edge and, and turn that corner is really the flexibility and the burst coming out of that You saw a number of rushes this week. One was on a sack, but uh, the fourth down pressure that led to the incompletion late in the game. Uh, You saw a couple other ones as well where he's able to turn that corner and just go screaming at the quarterback.
5: Yeah, and absolutely. And first and foremost, I love that you highlighted this week in your All-22 review. You earned the opportunity to rush the passer by playing the run. And what did he do right out of the gate last week? Big run stuffs, whether he's blocked, unblocked, playing off contact, chasing from the backside, and then he gets to reap the rewards on third down. So I thought it was a really complete game, and good job by you to highlight that in your uh,
1: review. Well, thank you. Well, let's uh, get really quickly to that uh, that Dallas offense, a group that uh you know when they're clicking on all cylinders, they're about as good as it gets, right? This is a team that can beat you in a lot of different ways. We know that offensive line when healthy is is strong. uh You know they, they can win in the pass game, run game. But over the last month or so, they have. it's been a little bit clunky. It hasn't been uh, you know, as efficient. What have you seen from them on film?
5: Well, Dallas is a lot of fun to watch, and particularly on defense. I think they've completely reinvented themselves. They're playing so confident, whether it's Diggs on the outside and his ball-hawking ability, whether it's the safety player in the middle with J. Ron Curse and uh, uh, KZ coming over from Atlanta and Keanu Neal in the middle there in combination, Michael Parsons in the middle. And just the youth on the defensive line. They're playing so much faster off the ball. The Oso Digizua and Neville Gallimore is healthy and Chauncey Golston's out there. Whole different identity on the defense. So partially scheme coming over with Dan Quinn. Partially he's got a lot of good talent on that team too, which helps the schemes and helps defensive coordinators look good when you have these freak athletes like a Micah Parsons. So this Dallas team is complete this year. And they're really picking up each side. When the offense struggles, it seems like it's a defensive game. You know, when the defense struggles, all of a sudden, Dak and the offense put up 30 on you. So it's been very complimentary on that Dallas team. It's been fun to watch on a week-in, week-out basis.
1: Is there a a metric that you've looked at, a number, a stat that you've looked at, whether it's about this matchup, about this Eagles team, this Dallas team, uh, that stands out to you?
5: Yeah, I'll give you one on each side of the ball for us in the Philadelphia Eagles. Defensively. Just mentioned our kind of relentless approach in the second half of games. Well, it shows up statistically too. Top five and preventing explosive pass plays, top five and preventing explosive run plays, top five and pressure rate, all in the second half. You're preventing big plays and getting after the quarterback in the second half. That's checking the boxes and keeping you in a lot of ball games. And then the offensive side of the ball, this team, the running game, first and second down, so efficient. Where do we reap the benefits? On third down, we have the fewest third and seven pluses in the NFL. You know, it's not easy to convert third and tens, third and nines at a regular basis, but well, we're not seeing a whole lot of them. So when you do the right thing on first and second down, maybe even not even get to third down, which would be nice, that's what we're doing. We're not in a lot of third and long situations, the fewest. Third and seven pluses in the NFL this year.
1: That's a great number. Uh, I was not aware uh, of that trend. Um, and then, real quickly, just bring it back to this matchup: is, is there one? And it's tough because again, we talked about the guys that you know could play, couldn't play. So it's tough to pick like one-on-one matchups. But is there one facet uh, of this game against Dallas that you're most focused on? Well, I'm on Michael watch. You know, yeah. he's like
5: tracking a, he's tracking a hurricane out there with the Doppler every snap. You better know where 11 is. And it's not always going to be easy because he lines up in a variety of spots. So while you like to hear centers out there call out the mic and pre-snap, you're going to be doing that. And then you better find number 11 on every single snap. Number 11 can ruin the game. Not sure who's going to actually play on Saturday. We'll see if who's up and who's down. Uh, But if Michael
1: Parsons is out there, alert, alert, alert. And to me, like a one part of this matchup and to me, it it doesn't matter like who's in the game here, but if you're talking about trying to negate Micah Parsons, how do you negate uh, DeMarcus Lawrence, Trayvon Diggs, we're going to talk about in the next segment, right? So there are blue chip players on that side. Well, that's being able to run the football, right? And I would say that Michael Parsons is more impactful against the pass than against the run. You would say that about all of these guys. And so uh, whoever is out there, uh, the Eagles' ability to run the football will be big in trying to come away with a W on Saturday night. So, Ben, uh, with that said, I tease this. We're going to uh, touch on Trayvon Diggs here. An interesting discussion about the quarterback position next up on Scouting Report. Hey, Eagles fans, get ready for the game each Sunday with an exclusive look at Eagles pregame warm-ups brought to you live each week. When you join myself, Amy Campbell, and Eagles insider Dave Spadaro on the kickoff show presented by Exalta, we provide Eagles-focused analysis, late-breaking news, and the team perspective that you cannot get anywhere else. The kickoff show presented by Exalta can be seen live 50 minutes before kickoff on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, the Eagles mobile app, and the team's social media channels. Dim those lights, we're headed to the film room for the scouting report. All right, Ben, let's get into this. Uh, our breakdown of Trayvon Diggs when he was coming out of Alabama just two seasons ago, the 2020 draft. Uh, I'll start with you. Uh, what were your notes on him when he was coming out of the, uh, the Alabama defense?
5: Well, I had the pleasure of seeing him four times in person over three years, 17, 18, and then 19, including the bowl game in 2019, which I don't think he played a lot in against Michigan, um, and then watched a lot of his tape. And the interesting thing with him, and I have it right at the beginning of his report, Fran, four-star, wide receiver prospect, brother of Stephon Diggs. This guy came to Alabama as a high recruit with a flashy big brother in the NFL. He got switched to defense. And then he was benched. And not transferring now, Fran, I now write as a point of endearment on some of these reports. For him to be a high-level prospect, switch sides of the ball, then get benched, which obviously you switch sides of the ball, you're then playing catch-up with learning your new position, and it doesn't always go great. You know, it's tough to switch sides of the ball. I think we sometimes think it's so easy for these athletes, which some of them make it look easy, but not transferring is now a point of endearment, and I'm just happy he stuck it out, rode through the storm and ended up being you know, a fairly high draft pick, and he's finding his way through the storm in the NFL after kind of a rough start to his NFL career, and now he's showing off all that ball hawking ability and how he could be a game-changing quarterback, but he was obviously tall, long, very physical, excellent jam to stay on top of receivers and disrupt in the route, disrupt release points, really good against larger wide receivers, found the ball most of the time, uh, had a lot of diverse coverage responsibilities at Alabama, a lot of press man, a lot of zone match stuff where he has to kind of react in a post snap. Fights for space on inbreakers. If you're running a slant on them, it's not just a my ball attitude, It's that's my spot, that's my grass. And it will always challenge the catch point there. Had the strength to squeeze receivers to the sideline. Now, listen, the tall, upright, big corners, typically a little stiff, changing directions, typically a little tight hip. Typically, you know, a little bit struggle to get in and out of breaks sometimes from off coverage uh, or to flip his hips. Uh, But he was a guy that was really tough to get completions on, only allowed three catches of 20 or more yards his final year. So he was a guy that was pretty stingy to get some uh, big plays against. I think Jamar Chase beat him in 2019 a few times that uh, were kind of the biggest licks he had taken. But a few injuries here and there, some nice special teams play. Uh, I'm not sure if you have anything to add on his report there.
1: I just, you know, going back to the big things that stood out to me about Trayvon Diggs, if you're just going to sum it up into a couple of different bullet points, and you hit on some of them, right? Where the size and physicality, the competitiveness, and the ball skills. And to me, like, if you're checking off like the things that matter just most to me you know, it isn't just me individually competitiveness and ball skills i'll work with that all day at, at corner and so uh were there plays where you're like oh, like i don't know he he wasn't a stiff athletically but you're like all right like is he going to be able to hold up in man-to-man coverage on a weekly basis well the cowboys play more cover one than anybody in the nfl this season and he has been an absolute ball hawk uh, what's he have 11 picks 12 picks uh so far this season just a ridiculous year for him and He's become a, a interesting interesting topic of conversation because there's a lot of people, uh, you know, whether it's you know PFF data or just people that you know are watching the film on a weekly basis. Like, yeah, like he'll give up plays, and depending on what service you look at it, in terms of the amount of yardage he has given up in the passing game. Here's what I'll say: number one, the guy. To, so it's almost like uh, a, a comparison was made to me uh, earlier this week. Was like it's like yelling at a guy who hits 50 home runs in baseball that has so many strikeouts. Like this guy can gets the creates the big play, gets the ball back on offense. That's huge, right? But then number one, uh, or number two, rather, going back and watching the film just of the last month. I was I went back and just watched all four of their games from the last four uh from the last four weeks. The big plays that I would say that he's been like given up. One was a, a outstanding, ridiculous, leaping catch. We saw uh, Cam Sims in the end zone, right? It was a, a ridiculous catch, but this was a few weeks ago against Washington. There were, another was a pick play in man-to-man coverage uh, where there was a, two stack receivers. His guy ran underneath, and he kind of got picked off. And then there was another one was a, a deep post where the safety kind of misplayed it in the middle of the field, right? So, you know... Those number that's why those metrics always kind of get me a little bit. It's like, I don't know, like when you say a guy's targeted and what he gave up and what he didn't give up. Uh, but here's what I will say. Yeah, like he's going to give up some plays. He gave up a double move this past week, uh, you know, in that game down the right sideline. So you, you can get him in coverage. But I'll tell you what, man, like th- this guy, he he reads routes so well. And it's just, you know, Dallas has had a lot of common opponents as the Eagles this year. So you and I will be watching uh, the, the upcoming opponent and say, and we'll go back to, uh, you know, games that we've watched. His route recognition, especially from off from from depth, is so so good. Where he is running the route before the receiver is running it and putting himself, and it hasn't always resulted in interceptions. That's the thing. Yeah, like he's got eleven picks. Picks can be always a tricky stat because they you know they can be uh, you know tip passes and things like that. He's put himself in position to have more. He is always around the football.
5: You know, I feel like anytime you see a corner really anticipating routes and almost a step of head. It really speaks to their confidence.
1: No doubt. Cuz yeah. you're in a,
5: you're in a reactionary position. You don't decide where you go, the receiver decides. So anytime you can jump around or end up in a spot before the receiver just showing how confident he is to maybe take that calculated risk whether it's a, you know, getting under a dig and two man and kind of beating him to an inbreaker or like his pick six against us. Kind of driving on that quick little oh, yeah. out- route, yep. be- beating Devonta to a spot. And Devonta slipped a little bit, but would have been a huge collision because of that anticipation. Some comps I had for him, some fun ones here. Namdi Asimov, 6'2", 213, 4'4", player. Sean Smith, huge corner. remember Stanford route and Ron Bartel. They were both huge corners there. Yeah, early 2000s guys. But I loved calling him like a Jimmy Smith. Yeah. who was about 6'1", and change, 6'2", 210 pounds. Somehow ran 4-4-2 there. He was a really freak kind of player uh, coming out of Notre Dame, was it Jimmy Smith? Jimmy Smith was Colorado. Colorado, that's right. Ended up uh, being a nice player to the Ravens there. Uh, And the other thing, one of my notes I had pregame, Arkansas, 2019, doing drills with DB coach Javier Arenas. Remember Javier Arenas? Yeah, Corner there, returner. Javier Arenas is 5'8". uh, Trayvon Diggs towered over him and they were doing they were doing jam drills and just kind of switching arms and flipping your hips at the line of scrimmage there he was ragdolling Javier (laughs) and towering over him it was really impressive to watch there's a little bit of aesthetics just because the guy was much taller but you saw the former receiver size in Trayvon Diggs the length with these jams and rattling like a five nine cornerback who is his db coach now listen javier is one tough dude so he can give it back to him no problem but it was just really interesting to see how big Diggs was he is a big broad corner
1: he really is. And as, to me, like I, when I, I, I'm not going to claim that I've watched every single snap of, of the Dallas defense this year, but I've watched a lot of Cowboys defensive film. And uh, the, the, his non-interceptions have been just as impressive as the plays where he has come up uh, with the football. This is a really instinctive player. And again, competitiveness, size, ball skills, instincts, like that's, a, that's to me, like that adds up to one of the, to be one of the best corners in football. Uh, and yeah. thing to really
5: to consider before you put him to bed, I mean, he switched positions. Also split time at cornerback. They had yep. a huge rotation of cornerback and had some injuries. So he didn't have tons of experience at Bama. So he's still kind of learning and finding his way. And I think he's really starting to show that development as he's now into, I don't know, his fifth year of playing corner in his life. You know, it's yeah, just right. learn on the job position. You know, it just is what it is. But really fun to watch the kind of development of the full, uh, the full body.
1: No question. Uh, It's one of the things that that makes him a a really interesting player and only in year two uh, to watch a a player that's going to be in the thorn in the Eagle side here for the next handful of years. Well, Ben, uh, this was fun. We'll be back uh, later this week on the journey to the draft podcast. Make sure everybody goes and checks that out wherever podcasts can be found. Great stuff there from Ben, who you can follow on Twitter just like I do, at Benfennel underscore NFL. And while you're at it, I'm at Eagles XOs. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our XS Nose content that we produce here with Eagles Entertainment. You know how much I appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on all forms of social media. That is one way to support the show, but the best way is to go on an Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, leave us a rating or even leave us a comment. I wanted to give a shout out today to someone who did exactly that. Dre Stubbs 95 left a five star review saying Do you think we bring back running back Jordan Howard next season? So, Dre, it's a good question. Uh, Obviously, Jordan has played really good football this year. He's been a, a really important piece. For this offense, whenever he's been out there on the field, healthy, uh, especially giving him that element of the run game—that between the tackles banger—he can set the tone early. He can be a closer late, right? We've talked about that. Really, anytime Jordan Howard has been here in Philadelphia, we'll see, right? And I think that obviously the run game has been a huge part, the focal point of this offense. And so the Eagles will continue to have not just one back, but two, three backs, guys that they feel comfortable utilizing in that role. And so we'll see if, if Jordan Howard is a part of that picture moving forward or not. Um, but he's one of a handful of pending free agents here this off season. So good question there from Dre. One of the things I'll be following early on as we get into March and April here this spring. Uh, great stuff. Great question there from Dre. Appreciate everybody that has left some reviews uh, on our podcast platforms, whether it's Apple Podcasts, you can do that on Spotify now. So appreciate everybody that has left us your support wherever you listen to the show. That said, let's wrap up uh, with our faux focus segment. It's time to catch up with the athletics. Bob Sturm. What's this matchup look like from the other side? <laughs> Time to find out and full focus. We're really excited to welcome back to the show here on the Eagle Island the Sky podcast, a guy who does an outstanding job of covering this Dallas Cowboys football team. And that's Bob Sturm. You can follow him on Twitter at Sports Sturm. Does great work for the athletic. Bob, welcome back to the show. Grant, thank
6: you so much. It's always great to be with you.
1: So as always here for this segment, I'm going to ask you to put on a couple of different hats to answer some questions. And we'll start uh, here with the Dallas Cowboys offense. And, and I'll ask you to put on that Kellen Moore hat. What gives you the, the biggest uh, amount of confidence going into, not just here week 18, but moving into the postseason, uh, looking at this Cowboys offense? What gives you the most faith in this group?
6: Well, it's, it's honestly, it's not a group where you have a ton of uh, confidence and faith right now, because uh, as, as, as many people know, uh, December 1st on basically, heck, you can roll back all the way to Thanksgiving or even that Chiefs game. They've been winning games in December. They had an undefeated December. Then they hit uh, the wall against the Cardinals and, and their offense just doesn't look right. Uh, the offensive line isn't good uh despite its reputation they're not running the ball well they there's obviously Ezekiel Elliott questions and then from there you just start going down the line of what isn't right which is really odd Fran because as of last week they were number one in yards and number one in points so uh, you know we all know about unrealistic standards for our teams but uh, the Cowboys demonstrated that they potentially had an elite offense this year that probably had very few, if any uh, weaknesses. And now uh, we're sort of finding at the moment of truth, which is sort of the Cowboys uh, calling card in these last couple decades, uh there is there is very shaky confidence so if i were to rely on something i feel good about it would probably be the number of passing weapons that this team can use with each other Mm. in conjunction to really give a secondary fits they don't really have a hard time pass protecting and they have so many weapons that when they're going right they're a very difficult team to defend. Of course, the problem with that is a team like Arizona can roll in here and even without half their defense it seems like they can throw some schematic uh late, you know, pre-snap adjustments that are late uh or right after the snap that cause Dak uh and this passing game some recognition fits and uh you know, it just it just seems like uh, that game on Sunday has rocked their confidence pretty badly. And so I don't know what uh, the, you know, the, the Eagles should necessarily fear. Of course, it's a wonky week 18 anyway. But uh, in terms of uh, the Cowboys, I just think they want to get a rhythm and a little confidence. And I'm not positive Saturday night in Philadelphia is the best place to do that. But, uh, but, but I think that's their goal. And that has to be their calling card moving forward into the playoffs.
1: When you look at this team's performance over the last month, it, it, do you feel? And obviously, we know how this goes. That at quarterback, uh, you get a lot of the a lot of the blame when things are going wrong, a lot of the praise when things are going right. Do you feel that Dak Prescott uh, has gotten too much blame, not enough blame, or Goldilocks like right in the middle, right where that in that sweet spot?
6: Yeah, well, he's certainly not blameless. Uh, at the same time, they are so bad right now at running the ball on first and second down, and we know in this league that uh, that is attached to everything. And so uh, if you like third and 11, then don't run the ball well on first or second down. But if you want to give your passing game a chance, if you want to call off blitzing situations, if you want to give balance to an offense to get the biggest strategic advantage, you have to be able to run the ball. Uh, and, And you know, that's what Dallas has done for years. And so to enter this game as clearly the second best running team in this game, you know, it's 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 a shock to everybody. Of course, uh, it, it certainly calls into question the payroll, the contracts, the, the big offensive line uh, right now, they could use uh, a quarterback who just lets it rip and and Dak. I think we've seen in the last six weeks is now a little bit tentative in his reads and therefore turning into a little bit of a checkdown machine because he doesn't quite trust what he sees with his eyes. And I would imagine a lot of that is because everything around him is starting to look a little bit uh, um, malfunction malfunctioning in some ways, uh, technically broken, if you will. And that's that's not a good sign of full of confidence heading into the postseason for sure.
1: No, certainly not. Well, let's go over to that, that defensive side of the football unit that has been one of the bigger surprises in the NFL this season with the way they've turned things around. So I'll ask you to put on your Dan Quinn hat. Uh, what is the biggest strength on this defense? What gives you the most, most faith, not just going into Saturday, but uh, into the rest of the playoffs?
6: Yeah, the reason they can beat anybody in the playoffs is the fact that they have three elite athletes in their front. And so when you can add Micah Parsons and Randy Gregory to what we already know Demarcus Lawrence brings to the table, uh, it absolutely changes everything. They are attacking defense, but they don't have to blitz a ton. But when they do, it's usually Micah Parsons who is obliterating, of course, anything in his path. Never seen a rookie like this. And of course, uh, you know, as we uh, waited to go on the air, of course, the, the COVID list came calling for him, so I don't know about his availability here, but in terms of in the playoffs, if uh, Arizona sees him again, if uh, Aaron Rodgers sees them again, or whatever the case may be. Uh, I I think teams are very, very concerned about the ability of Micah Parsons, Randy Gregory, and DeMarcus Lawrence in any order, by the way. Uh, It's kind of one of those deals, who do you want to stop? Okay, the other two are going to kill you. So that situation makes them a real contender in my mind because they've never had that, as you know. uh, They've never had a defense you had to worry about. So if the offense can find rhythm the defense can now keep them in games. They absolutely did not stop Kyler Murray. But I think if you look at that tape, you would see Kyler was bothered quite a bit. He still made enough plays. He's a special, special matchup problem that you can't practice against. But but I really think uh, in general, uh, this Cowboys defense is better than it's been for several reasons. But in particular, number 11 right there in the middle of the field is insane.
1: In the last segment, we talked about Trayvon Diggs, and he's been a little bit of a lightning rod for uh, both praise and criticism, especially over these last couple of weeks. Uh, I'm interested to kind of get your thoughts watching this team as closely as you do. What are your thoughts on Diggs and uh, just where he kind of rests in the the echelon of corners in the league right now?
6: Well, this will never get me on the air with Stephen A. or Skip Bayless, (laughs) but I'm going to take a somewhat... Uh, medium position on Trayvon Diggs. He's very talented. Uh, he obviously is a ball hawk. He he has some Marcus Peters in him, if you will. Uh, where you, if you if you like the good, you'll love him. If you love run support, uh, you'll have some real issues. And if you love fall, you know, if you're concerned about a guy falling for double moves, that's him as well. So in general, when I see Trayvon Diggs, I see the best corner the Cowboys have, but also somebody that the opposition is not scared of attacking. They actually draw things things up in their game plan, very high in their game plan as well, where they want to see if they can get him to eat the cheese. Washington did it on their first play from scrimmage the night after Christmas, which is let's attack Trayvon Diggs with a double move. Arizona did with AJ Green. You can make big plays at his expense, but you better be careful because he will also get his hands on the ball like a wide receiver and he will take it back. So um, as far as the PFF grades, I don't have a big problem with what they're saying. Uh, As far as people saying, uh, he's a very positive player that uh, you guys are too hard on, I agree with that as well. He's a game-breaker, but he also is a flawed game-breaker, which we see around this league. But, of course, uh, the fan base wants to hear either uh, he, we should cut him or he should go right to Canton. And I just don't think it's always that easy with young players.
1: We know how that goes uh, for sure. Uh, last question for you, Bob. Just looking, at, If you're Mike McCarthy, uh, what is the biggest My guess is we probably talked about this at some point in this conversation. The biggest concern uh, for this team moving forward?
6: Well, I I just think in general, uh, they look a little lost on offense. and And for so long, that's been their calling card. Heck, that's been Mike McCarthy's calling card is we can get, you know, a touchdown a quarter. We can get to 28. We can get to 31. We can boss this game. We can run when we want or we can pass when we want. And now, at the moment of truth, even with a relatively healthy roster, I mean, Michael Gallup going down is – maybe the first significant injury situation that they've hit this season. I mean, who's that healthy? Very few, if any NFL teams can say they've avoided the uh, injured reserve list like the Cowboys have, but they just don't look as solid as they should, you know, and this could be a 12 win Cowboys team. That should be somewhat historic in terms of, you know, their best seasons going back a little ways. And yet, they all look like they're a little terrified of their own shadow right now, which uh, they, you know, they can solve it very quickly. Um, and, and like I said, if I'm, if I'm Green Bay, if I'm Arizona, if I'm, you know, the Rams, I'm not excited about playing the Cowboys in the uh, postseason where it's one and done. But at the same time, uh, we have seen Cowboys football for a long enough time that since the triplets, they can often be their own worst enemy this time of year. And uh, that reputation, unfortunately, precedes them and kind of makes the entire fan base a little on the mentally ill side.
1: Well, it's something that, it's what makes this team a really interesting one to watch here in the next couple of weeks. Bob, uh, be sure to go check out all of Bob's analysis over at The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter, again, at Sports Sturm. Thanks so much for joining us once again here on the show.
6: Always a pleasure.
1: Great stuff there from Bob. Always great catching up. He always offers outstanding analysis of that Cowboys team. Uh, real quickly, before we wrap things up, uh, as always, I want to get into some leftover analysis from Eagles game plan. These are clips that could not make it into the show just due to time constraints, but still some great analysis from John Clark and Mike Quick. I crease Greg Cosell due to time
3: constraints. Couldn't squeeze it into the show, but I kept it all for you right here. And how about that big third and 14 where he was scrambling and he found Greg Ward? The Eagles talked about how they practiced the scramble drill more and more. What did that play specifically show you about his development? Well, just to
0: piggyback off what Q just said, it shows that he is calm under pressure and under duress. You get a quarterback in that situation, and he may try to force the issue. You know, I don't know if the coaches are going to put this on the coaching tape as far as this is the type of throw you want to make, but when you have the special ability that Jalen has and the supreme confidence in that ability, these are the type of things that can happen. The one thing I noticed about Jalen in this game, you've really seen it throughout the year, but I think even more so in this game, is he has a quiet, competitive fire to him and it's infectious to his teammates. It may not be an outwardly display like it is with some other players, but his teammates can feel it, and he certainly displays that out there on the field. That's what that play
3: represented to me. And he was fired up in the locker room afterwards. How about the offensive line? The Eagles have been leaning on them with the running game, especially second half of the season, but you saw them even switch up the type of runs Mm -hmm. that they had in Washington in the second half. Talk about the inventory that Jeff Stoutland has and the the dynamics of all the different runs they can go with.
2: I think that's what makes it so difficult for defenses and what makes this team the number one rushing team in all of football. The fact that they can hit you in so many different ways, outside, inside, quarterback powers and quarterback runs. And then when the play breaks down, you have a quarterback who can make something out of nothing. That really makes it difficult for any defense.
0: Yeah, and you need that versatility when you have the style of runners that we have, right? When you look at whether it's Miles Sanders when he's in there, Jordan Howard, Boston Scott, these guys are really three different types of runners. So when one guy is going to be featured, you have to have the blocking style that features their running ability. And that's what I love about this offensive line is the versatility to whether run in between the tackles, pull guys, or run guys on the outside. They can adjust to the type of runners that we have.
2: Josh Schwett, to me, has played exceptionally well over the last month. When he lines up outside in a wide-nine alignment in a pass-rush situation, he has shown that he is one of the best edge rushers in the league. Fletcher Cox has played extremely well inside, along with Javon Hargrave. Well, and when you have the linebackers as your leading tacklers, that's a good sign. (laughs) So it's Alex Singleton and it's TJ Edwards who leads his team in tackles. But when I look at this defense, I like the fact that in games, they're making key adjustments that are shutting teams down. If you go back to the last game, Washington, they scored 16 points in the first half. They didn't score in the second half. And a lot of that is because of the adjustments that were made in the second half. And we've seen that over the course of the second half of this season, those in-game adjustments where they're taking away what the offense is doing early in the football game and shutting them down late in the game. Big, big difference in the football game.
3: And Rodney McLeod had a great homecoming to yes. Washington area. Uh, well, with both,
2: that, both those safeties. Yeah. Both those safeties played down at University of Virginia. That's and right. so they both had a homecoming. Yeah,
3: and Rodney McLeod was a year removed from his knee surgery, year to the week. Yep. And he said he was starting to feel himself again. How important is that steadying influence from Rodney McLeod in that secondary? Well,
0: it's big time. I mean, it allows Jonathan Gannon to dig deeper into his playbook. Rodney McLeod has seen a lot of offensive formations. He understands down and distance, in-game scenarios. He can relay that to the other guys. That's a big help for guys like Darius Slay because you got a quarterback in the secondary that can direct traffic. You know, Anthony Harris has played for Jonathan Gannon so he understands his defense as well. I think that's another reason why you've watched this defense continue to get better. When Rodney McLeod got back into the lineup and now he doesn't have to worry about dealing with lingering injuries, he can play fast and free. We're seeing it. type of player that we watched grow here as a Philadelphia Eagle over the last six years. Rodney McLeod has been a big difference maker.
1: And again, be sure to check out Eagles game plan. It goes up digitally on Friday across all Eagles channels, or if you live in the Philadelphia area, NBC 10 special time this week. 12 p.m., 12 noon on Saturday. Obviously, we had to change the time uh, with the game being moved to Saturday night. So great stuff there to everybody that was on this week's show. Bob Stern, Ben Fennell. Uh, We had Greg Cosell earlier this week. Obviously, uh, Jonathan Gannon, uh, him uh, sharing some time with us last week as well. So thank you to all of them, and thank you to all of you out there as well for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcasts here with Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. For everybody here at the Novocare Complex, I am Brian Duffy, we will talk to you next week. When the clock hits all zeros, the game might be over, but the action is not. Join us for the post-game show presented by Rico for instant reaction. Watch live as Coach Nick Sirianni and Eagles players come to the podium and meet with the media. We will make sure you do not miss a word. Myself, Ike Reese, and Gabriella Giovanni will also break down the game live at the desk and hear from Eagles insider Dave Spadaro to get his thoughts. The post-game show presented by Rico can be seen on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, the Eagles mobile app, and the team's social media channels.